0: Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Brought to you by Cloudinary. Build faster with AI-powered image and video APIs. I have I have this like really fun thing, John, because we're recording this right after Superbase. Um, what do I just call it? X X launch? Uh, launch week X. Long, launch it's, it's week what we going X. with. There wasn't a nine, but we'll get into that. But the reason I bring that up is because I stole a little clip of some music that was released. Uh. I'm going to play it right now so everybody can enjoy Okay, so that was just a small clip. I gotta know, like, who made that? How do you do the video? What's going
1: on there? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this could be a whole podcast on its own. In fact, scrap, scrap launch week X. Let's just talk about the album. Maybe, maybe I
0: should pause for two seconds. I'm make, I'm making a huge assumption here. So, John, can you introduce yourself first of all before we before we get into all that?
1: Absolutely. Hello, my name is John Myers. I'm a developer advocate at Superbase, which means I get to shout about all of these fun features that we launch uh, and get to do a whole bunch of, uh, yeah, very, very fun videos around launch week time, which is where we uh, release a feature every day for a week or launch many, many, many more than one features per day uh, for a week and sometimes i get to do extra special things like this launch week where i got to launch an album that's wild
0: like that blows my mind how long did it take you to make this album
1: this album has been in the works for about well yeah basically since i started so so the way that it that it all kind of happened was uh when i started at superbase there was kind of like Uh, like we had a YouTube channel that we just used to put up videos that we wanted to embed in the docs basically like there was no uh, kind of brand or consistency on the uh, on the YouTube channel Uh, and so when I came in that was something that I really wanted to uh, to to improve Um, and so along with the visual brand I also wanted like this kind of audio brand um, where we had a consistent song that we could use for every intro and outro for our YouTube Uh, videos Uh, and then we we started doing live streams and so I was like, well, we, we need a different one, obviously. And so I produced a, a track for uh, our live streams and then, uh, you know, we do these like launch weeks every like four months or so. Uh, and so I was like, well, we need a, a new one for every launch week. And then we just kind of built up this, this bank of music um, that's all kind of this cool synth wavy, um, uh, like 80s inspired synth music. Uh, and so, yeah, I decided that uh, we should put it together as an album. And then it just took me like, you know, two years to <laughs> actually get the time to to finally put it together. So it just took like two years. OK, yeah, well, yeah, that like seems years.
0: pretty quick, I would say.
1: The thing that really like lit the fire under it actually getting finished was uh, Paul Copplestone or Coppel, the CEO of of Superbase. Uh, publicly bet the CEO of Planet Scale, Sam, uh, Sam Lambert, that uh, we would get this album out before the end of the year, uh, or else he would give Sam 1% of his equity uh, in Superbase. And so <laughs> once there was, you know, a financial commitment by the uh, CEO of our company that I needed to get this finished, uh, yeah that, that, that's why we have an album now
0: I was just gonna say like uh, was there no financial gain here for you John like this is just part of your daily job and people are betting like percentages of companies that's yeah that's not fair yeah, pretty much <laughs> <laughs> so this this thing has 15 tracks each one are named where did you come up with the names first of all
1: this is actually just going to be a whole podcast about the album. This is great. I mean, uh, it's
0: going to start out that way for sure. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. So this is 15 tracks. There are actually, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't let Paul know this. Uh, but there's probably another like 15 tracks that were B sides that uh, haven't been finished, haven't been polished. That maybe uh, I shouldn't shouldn't let him bet more of the company away to uh to ensure that I finish it next year. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's basically a whole sequel to this that that hasn't even yeah we haven't Maybe. even started putting together. Uh, but uh, what was the question?
0: Uh, the names. So there's the 15, names.
1: Yes. The f- right. Fifteen tracks. How'd you come so up? These, with Yes, yeah, so these fifteen tracks. Uh, it's a little bit fun. If you want to pause the podcast and go and look at the tracks and see if you can work it out for yourself, because it is uh, there is a consistent theme uh, with them.
0: But... I feel like so hell. Like I remember the movie uh and there's like a hell robot right yeah 2001 Tr- a space odyssey trinity. yeah yeah it's, exactly so and trinity <laughs> is from the matrix right yeah that's the one and i'm like i, I don't know there's logan was x-men star no, not
1: not x-men this is see, a lot of people got this one wrong it would make sense that it was x-men but that one's actually logan's run <sighs> which is another 80s sci-fi movie so all of these uh i guess they're not all technically 80s sci-fi movies trinity is from the matrix which was obviously much later uh but these are just you know awesome sci-fi movies or some kind of like futuristic dystopian society uh either novels or movies i think all of them have at least been turned into movies but yeah a lot of inspiration from like george orwell styled sci-fi novels or like uh philip k dick and and those sort of authors
0: wow that's incredible
1: but they're all main characters from those movies. And so I'm tossing around for the sequel uh, ideas. If I if it is 15 tracks again, then maybe I could just like make it all the secondary characters from those same movies <laughs> and see if people put it together. So yeah, uh... that would be
0: really cool. <laughs> I, so I just want to play it one more time because I have another question. Not the whole thing. just Just a little snippet here. Okay, so you kind of saw like the woman; she's kind of like, uh, like, changing. How the heck did you make that video?
1: Yeah, so this is another fun thing about all of the visual aspects. So the, I feel like the there's some Gen AI
0: happening or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's basically everything visual is is AI. Uh, everything audio has nothing to do with AI. I tried to actually use AI to write some of the like melodies and stuff, and it just everything <laughs> it spat out was just like uh, doesn't quite sound right. Um, but yeah with the the visual aspect um it started off as chat gpt prompts um so i, I got it to write like a 15 um like basically a summary for each chapter sure. of which is each song so there's 15 chapters um and then i used those uh the prompts uh or oh, sorry the the response that came out of that the summaries for each of the chapters to feed into mid journey which is a image generation ai thingo um and so you can tell it like give it a text prompt and it will spit out a um, a, a still image. Uh, and so all of those text prompts were like the chapter and then like in the style of cyberpunk, futuristic, dystopian society. Future from the perspective that of the 80s with neon lights bleeding green and purple was basically like the... Nice. <laughs> the uh, but it, the, So uh,
0: Mid Journey uh, does like photos... How the heck did you yeah. turn those photos into a video?
1: Yeah. So then, taking those Mid Journey images, I then fed them into something called Kaiba, K A I B E R, I think, uh, which is a, a a video generation platform. So that that can take an image. So I took the image from Mid Journey. It can take a text prompt. So I combined that with the text prompt from Chat GPT, um, and then, uh, yeah, and then it spits out. Oh yeah, and then the song obviously is the third part. And so some of the Uh, If you watch through all of the videos, it's, it's very long. It's like an hour of music, but if you watch through all the videos, they're all slightly different in like the theme that they use. Um, And some of them uh, like the camera's moving and some of them it's like rotating. And uh, yeah, there's like these different settings that you can, um, that you can set. And one of those is like how much you want it to react to the music. So some of them are really reactive to the music that's happening. And some of them are just kind of like this flipbook animation of, of different frames that's um, incredible yeah yeah there's cool.
0: there's i watched like, a couple of them not like hour of them, that's fine but,
1: that's fine and, and, like, <laughs> i like i think i'm the really only one that's fun. actually seen every frame
0: <laughs> it, it is really great for like coding background music so um it's kind of lo-fi music to to code to but um that was so, the well, yeah, intention some of those was like, to
1: make the perfect album for you to have on in the background while you're working on a Super Bass hackathon project. So we also run a hackathon alongside the launch weeks. And so this is the perfect soundtrack to write your hackathon project.
0: I mean, once you have that B-side and like eight albums later, you'll have a full day of coding music. It's great. Um, So the Kyber thing, that's pretty cool that it can pick up like the music because I saw in some of those images, like it would change on the beat. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Like this isn't just kind of automating some things it's listening and everything else
1: it's pretty wild yeah Yeah, it's very cool very yeah so much cool stuff going on i think i'm gonna have to
0: like pay you to do our intro that's what i've been working on (laughs) so i I don't know john we might have to talk after
1: (laughs) i'm available to produce music for uh any company this is my yeah my my new uh, role instead of developer advocate at superbase i am now the musical director at superbase self-appointed that's, musical should, director yeah at least and director
0: then... probably vp maybe like really <laughs> yeah. put a good title around it
1: and then like you know as a side thing at superbase i'll do some developer advocacy stuff but mainly <laughs> musical director now <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's incredible so uh last time we talked i feel like were you just getting started let me let me go look it up really quick i gotta go coding cat command k and then type in john myers it's so simple I, i'm trying to remember when our episode came out
1: i think we did we do two did we do one on
0: january 18th of 22 was our Superbase open source alternative to firebase so how long were you at Superbase at that point do you recall
1: uh, sorry. What was the date?
0: January eighteen of twenty two. So,
1: 22. so I think I had only been there for about three or four months at that point. I, think I was gonna guys... say,
0: like, so how, like, how has it been? Tell me about like working at Superbase as a devrel.
1: Yeah, it's been an awesome place to be as a devrel. Um, I feel like I I probably said this right back in that episode, but uh, I think because the surface area of Superbase is so wide. Uh, like it's not just uh, like a single ORM, or it's not just an OR solution, it's not just database hosting, because it covers all of this surface area. It means as a devrel, like you know, the the main thing that I do is create um, example applications, um, help build out some tooling to to make integrations tighter, and then create a bunch of uh, of YouTube tutorials um, to to show how to how to do those things, and. I th- I think I would have said, you know, like almost two years ago when we, when we caught up uh, that that uh, would make it a really interesting place to work long time, uh, long-term. And I feel like that is still the case. Like I'm still finding cool stuff about Superbase, even, not even like the new stuff that we're launching every couple of months, but even stuff that's always been there that I just didn't know. And I'm like, ah, oh, that is so cool. I definitely need to highlight that. Um, yeah. It's just it's very interesting having so many things that I can build with on the super base
0: totally um cool so i'm gonna i'm gonna put us on a little ad break and then when we come back we're gonna dive into launch week x
1: cloudinary allows you to remove any unwanted backgrounds so you can reuse assets efficiently you can also erase objects and people from images for placement in new experiences For more engaging content, easily turn static images into dynamic animations. And rely on smart cropping to always deliver assets with a focus on the most relevant objects to your brand. Cloudinary Programmable Media. Build faster with AI-powered image and video APIs. You have like a whole production, everything going. This is amazing.
0: I keep trying to get people to like actually sponsor coding cat so like if super is is looking for an awesome podcast like this to sponsor yeah. we're all about web development so it should it should fit yeah i mean it's absolutely. a pretty it's pretty well done isn't it
1: it is it's very cool
0: i mean it goes out in like youtube shorts afterwards tick tock it's everywhere you'll also,
1: see it are you doing this as like as part of your role at the new place or is this all in sorry are we are we not recording right now is this totally
0: recording it's totally fine (laughs) is this is this this going to be in the final version of the podcast (laughs) if i say something terrible i just make a mark and i say hey ashley our editor please pull this out so like this part she might i don't know okay cool (laughs) no but yeah i this is this is all mostly done you know we kind of have an agreement that my lunches i do code with coding cab but as you can tell I, I spotted in and we we knock out these episodes it's a, it's a lot of fun like I love talking with people and um, I don't sleep much uh, so having oh, two good. jobs that's it, a good thing
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did decide for the the end so recording this just at the end of 23 that I I can't just sit in my room for like 20 hours a day anymore so uh, my my wife is very proud of me I've I've started crossfit and my whole body hurts
1: right now so it's excellent it's great that is very good yeah <laughs> that will probably help with the sleep as well if you uh I run down the body a little bit
0: <laughs> after the first one i was like <laughs> i'd like, never have slept that well in like years probably so yeah definitely helps um sorry so back on to Superbase so uh can you give me like the one-liner just so people joining in at this point or for for our shorts like what is
1: Superbase in a in a nutshell and kind of what is it used for typically sure so Superbase is an open source project uh that is basically a collection of tools that wrap around a Postgres database um and so you get things like database hosting. Uh, authentication, authorization, real-time, edge functions, uh, AI, embedding stuff—all of that wrapped around a Postgres database. So you can take that Postgres database and move it anywhere you want. Either you can host it uh, with our Superbase cloud, or you can go and host it yourself uh, on your own Raspberry Pi running in your house, if you would like.
0: <laughs> wow, uh, Raspberry Pi four probably. I feel like like a three might be rough. Nah,
1: all the way back Raspberry Pi one. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be impressive. Stupid base is that efficient?
0: That's really really good, John. <laughs> um, so actually, one of those hosting things is on our list of top ten. So we're gonna kind of work through an outline of our list, and um, we'll go through these. So uh, I'm debating whether or not to show this on screen or just talk about it, John. I think I might just talk about it and pop on a screen. So. For those of, of you watching, here's here's kind of what we're going through. This is on the Superbase blog. It's Launch Week X Best Launches. Um, and we're just going to kind of cruise through the top 10 and pick up pieces and parts that we might need. But you're just talking about hosting. And one of those hosting options on here is uh, Fly.io, which I love. I just did a blog about this on um, Fusion Auth. So talk yeah. to me about kind of what you guys are doing over there with the Postgres piece.
1: Yeah, so we've teamed up with Fly. Uh, If you don't know, Fly is a hosting service that uh, has an edge network of a whole bunch of CDN servers all over the world where you can host your application um, or run a Docker image or whatever. Um, And so we are now launching uh, or taking over, launching the Fly Postgres package, um, which will allow you to deploy a Postgres instance. um, Only now, instead of being an unmanaged, just Postgres... Uh, like server running somewhere for uh, for Fly, it's now going to be an entirely managed Superbase instance. So oh, wow. uh, it'll be a Superbase instance deployed within the Fly network. So you get all of that greatness of edge deployment everywhere. Um, you can also have uh, you can either have your uh, Postgres instance deployed in one place, or you can have it deployed globally across that edge, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit more about what makes that possible uh, in a future one. Um, But yes, it going from unmanaged to managed means that, you know, you don't need to worry about all of those issues with scaling and backups and like uh, version upgrades and things like that. Uh, That is all handled for you by Superbase. And you also get all of the other cool stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if it's it's kind of like a a bit of a long process rolling this out, um, but eventually we will be getting to the point where you have everything um like an entire superbase instance so again you have that obviously the postgres instance is hosted but then you have auth uh edge functions um graphql all of those things um in uh in that docker image that's being uh deployed globally
0: nice um there's a call out in there if i remember it was a minute since i read it um that you avoided doing AWS for this and that's because there's just challenges around that or what does that, like why?
1: Yeah, I think we've always kind of um, built things either on open source tools that already exist or tried to sure. keep them as platform agnostic as possible um, so that we can take opportunities like this to to move it around. And um, yeah, the... The underlying kind of Postgres engine um, or the the extension that uh, that powers this in uh, in Fly is called Firecracker, um, and that is just like a ridiculously fast way to spin up and spin down instances, like entire Postgres instances. Um, and so that existing within that Fly ecosystem um, makes this just yeah so so much more possible um, in that kind of deployment environment over other ones
0: nice i should put the read this card right here so we, we just had fly on and, and dov talked all about it and also how the internet's run by duct tape and submarine cables so that's been a, <laughs> a fun <laughs> youtube short that's that's going around so definitely check that episode out if you want to know more about firecracker and how fly.io works all right number two john super grafana do i say that work right i, yeah, I think like grafana idea. yeah
1: grafana yeah so this is grafana is like an analytics platform that gives you these nice like dashboards that can tell you about the performance of uh of your database but also just the whole uh like the cpu and memory and everything that's running on that um on the actual compute server um, and so we've been using Grafana internally at Superbase for analytics and monitoring and things for, for all Superbase projects. And so now we've wrapped all of that up into a nice little open source pa- package, which again is, is what we tend to do it, at Superbase rather than building like something proprietary that you can only use as a, as a Superbase uh, user. We tend to build open source projects that can kind of be plugged into to other things or open source extensions for Postgres itself rather than just being a feature that exists within Superbase. Um, so this one is kind of tied to Superbase because it's a Superbase specific Gr- Grafana instance. Okay, um, but you can now connect it to, uh, you know, your own Superbase instance that you're running uh, wherever you would like to to run it, uh, rather than just within the hosted platform of Superbase Cloud.
0: Nice. Let me uh, let me pop up just a quick. Here's what Grafana looks like. I think uh, a lot of people are starting to use this in some open source so like uh, Kenzie Dodds, I think, has in uh, Epic Stack now as well. Right. this is this is a piece of that. so um. yeah, it's super, super
1: handy to kind of track down those performance issues or even you know understand that there is a performance issue uh, and that things aren't just slow because they're traveling across the world. There might <laughs> actually be something going on with uh, yeah, the amount of of CPU. That that particular instance has access to it might need to be scaled up, uh, all of those things.
0: Nice, cool.
1: Um, the third thing that we have, PG GraphQL now supports Postgres functions. Talk to me about it. Yes, yeah, so this is another example of of one of those things where we wanted um, there to be a Postgres server running alongside uh, your Superbase instance, and so rather than just building that into Superbase, we built a. Um, an extension for Postgres so you can run this on any Postgres instance so it's called pggraphql um, or pg_graphql, underscore graphql um, and we use that in your Superbase instance to automatically generate a, a Postgres uh, sorry a, a GraphQL server that stays perfectly in sync with your Superbase instance so when you create a new table um, or you uh, you know change one of your columns or something like that um, you don't need to change anything in your graphql schema or your um what are the other things called queries and Mm -hmm. mutations and uh (laughs) you know all those things uh no you don't need to resolvers that's what i was thinking you don't need to write your own custom resolvers or types or anything like that all of that is generated and maintained for you um by this uh this graphql server and pg graphql under the hood um, but the cool thing that we've launched with this, thats that's been available for a while, um, but now Postgres functions are also included in your GraphQL schema. So Postgres functions are a way that you can like group together a collection of um, of SQL statements um, or just kind of like, you know, encapsulate some functionality into a, a Postgres function. And you've always been able to call those with um, something called RPC or remote procedure call, um, which is something in the... Uh, in Superbase.js. JS and so you, you've always been able to call these from your application um, but you kind of had to step outside of that GraphQL world uh, mm, to do that whereas now um, that is included within your GraphQL schema so Absolutely. if you want to play with it check out the automatically generated docs in your Superbase studio where there is an entire GraphQL playground um, oh. where you can see uh, yeah you can interact with your um, with your GraphQL server and use IntelliSense to build out your queries. Nice. Um, so do people still use
0: like Prisma on top of that typically or that's that's kind of like they're either Prisma or they're like GraphQL and those are two different things?
1: Uh, do you mean the Prisma package itself? Like the Prisma ORM? Yes, the
0: Prisma ORM piece.
1: Yeah. So I believe that's completely like decoupled from GraphQL okay. now. Um, I think you can run... Graph I think they created Graph Cool. I think that was like the original Prisma thing. Um, but yeah, as as the as the package has has kind of grown, it's um tried to decouple all of the GraphQL stuff from the um, from the regular ORM stuff. So you can use gotcha. Prisma as its own separate ORM. It might actually maybe turn that I don't know. I don't know enough about it to I know last
0: time like I checked out Superbase. It's been a minute, um we did we did kind of like some Prisma ORM stuff and we were able to like create all the the schemas and, and like things like that and then just run migrate and it was up and running in Superbase. So I didn't know if like that piece would be part of it or not, so that's probably on me because I just don't remember doing much of it.
1: So yeah, not on the the GraphQL specific side, but yeah, you can you can connect Postgres to, I'm uh, sorry, you can connect Prisma to any uh, any database cool. instance, no. MySQL or Postgres or um, yeah, uh, Mongo. I think they also support. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of like you lose a little bit of um, of the superbase stack when you use Prisma as the ORM bit. Um, because it doesn't automatically pipe through, um, your auth information. Um, and so yeah, you, you don't kind of get that end to end, uh, experience of everything being really tightly integrated, um, that you do when you use Superbase JS or the the posts uh, or the, uh, GraphQL instance. Um, but yeah, because it's all just a collection of tools wrapped around a Postgres database, you can connect to that any way you'd like.
0: Totally makes sense. Cool. Uh, the next one up, I'll pop on the screen because I think this is the the correct one. So this is uh, the Python one. Python libs are now stable. Um, and you guys have quite a few here Swift, Kotlin, TypeScript, Flutter, and Python. Are yeah. Here.
1: So the client, all of the client libraries have been a really big focus uh, over the last couple of months, um, trying to bring them all up in line with Superbase.js. Some of them were like, you know partially implemented. Some of them were like kind of abandoned. And some of them we've just just started building from scratch. Um but yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of new ways that you can use superbase. Um, the Python one is particularly um important at the moment, I think, because of this huge shift in the AI world. Um, and so with this new Python library being stable, uh, it means that you can uh, use all of the cool AI embeddings stuff that you get with a Superbase instance, but now you can also use your use that Superbase client directly um, within Python. And so, rather than needing to like, you know, build part of it over here and then use something different in Python, or just use the the HTTP um, service of Superbase in Python world, we now have um, yeah a stable library that can wow. do all of the things. Wow.
0: That's really cool. I know those things that like putting those
1: wrappers or SDKs around that stuff
0: can be really challenging. It takes forever at work too, so we're constantly updating and, and babying those things. Yeah, uh, I noticed and then, that- like
1: when you when you roll something out to to one client library, it's like, yeah. do you roll it out to all of them? Is it exclusive to one? And then they, you know, you don't want them to drift apart. But it's yeah. Yeah. So there's been a big effort to kind of bring all of those back in line to to, really cool. to support all of the same kind of core set of features.
0: I know when I was at uh, Builder.io, they had this tool called Mitosis. It's an open source tool that takes like, I think it's JSX in, it's been a minute, and then it produces all of these different libraries out from it. And it's like, man, if, if everything worked that well that way, it would be amazing. We've been mm-hmm. talking about doing like um, open API and just using that as kind of a spec and then automating the production of these SDKs and stuff. But it's got nice. its own kind of limits and quirks but it's it's always challenging it's it's a lot of fun
1: yeah yeah so we that, like postgressed. actually we're about to talk about it you go
0: <laughs> yeah so i'll finish up on the python thing i just uh we just did live coding with uh simon grimm on expo and react native and i see directly in here cedric cedric I think is the one of the core maintainers of um, Expo, so it was it was cool to just have him on, and I I see him on here too, so it's really exciting. My my worlds are colliding as usual.
1: Yeah, yeah, they've yeah both been huge in the uh in the client development side of things, and yeah, we've been doing a lot of work with React Native recently. Um, Thor has been working closely with with all the people in the React Native team to again try and like bring up the the level of support from um you know it kind of works up to the (laughs) level of like our flutter um library which has always been very tightly integrated with superbase
0: i have to tell you as a web developer checking out react native basically for the first time in expo was like whoa this actually works every other time i've touched native native i don't know if you call it native at that point but uh that side of development i'm like Please don't show me this ever again. Like I'll just do like, web <laughs> development. So, but it was amazing. It was like I felt like I was just writing React. It was cool. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah uh,
1: amazingly well well integrated or well well implemented.
0: Another one that I I can never pronounce Postgrest twelve. What is that providing for you guys?
1: Yeah. So Postgrest. Uh, so this is like Postgres but with a T on the end. Uh, and so uh, this is the the rest service that sits on top of your Postgres database with a Superbase instance. So again, it's its own open source project, um, but it allows you to uh, make uh, requests for data directly from your front end or from your server, whatever you're, uh, wherever you're requesting data. Uh, it goes to PostGrest, um, which pipes through all of your like JWT and auth information that we were talking about before um, pipes that through to your database call. So then in Postgres, Um, You can when someone's trying to like select data from the database or access particular rows, you can actually detect who that user is, um, who that signed in user is and whether they should have access to it. So Postgres allows uh, like all of the auth stuff, all of the other bits of the ecosystem to kind of like flow through uh to your database and um yeah makes it much easier to write like authorization policies like RLS policies row level security if you're not not familiar with database world and uh that style of authorization you can use row level security policies to write um like access policies within your database and that's all kind of enabled by Postgres. So this new version um just adds a whole bunch of awesome new conveniences um and a big one for for this uh, this version in particular is aggregate functions. And yep. so they're supporting uh, all of the like sum and average. Um, you've always been able to do some um, aggregate functions like count and a couple of others. But if you want to do anything more complex than that, um, or anything that's not supported by that, that sort of Postgres layer, um, then you need to step out into using a Postgres function um, or using a Postgres view or something like that. Um, Whereas now you can do it directly in your Superbase JS queries because they're the things that go through to Postgres land. That's really neat. It's awesome
0: to have all of those kind of aggregate functions just right at your fingertips. Uh, I know Mm. that's still a struggle for me every time. So I'm a Firebase GD and Firestore, like it introduces some of these things. But man, is it painful still? So, yeah, it's a little frustrating. (laughs) Um, when we when we kind of look at you you talked about uh row level and we don't have to dive into this too deep but are you able to kind of hackily do field level as well like if you store social security numbers and like your manager can view it but no one else like that side of things is that capable
1: one thing you can do is um we have um uh, a package that we published called PG Sodium, which is the coolest name yeah. for something that does salting and oh, hashing nice. of uh, of particular columns. So you can set a column to be like um, a obfuscated, obfuscated uh, like secret value or whatever. Wow, um, that's cool. And then only be able to access. Like you can write a, an RLS policy that says that only certain people are allowed to access that. Um, that's that really encrypted column or the value for that encrypted column um, column level security itself is something that everyone's been trying to solve in in that space for a long time yeah. um, this doesn't allow you to, to to dig down to the to the column level um, yeah. and so yeah if you want to protect a particular column rather than the entire row we usually recommend you break out any protected stuff you want into a separate table and yep. then have a one-to-one relationship so you've got like your private table um that only privileged people have access to and then your kind of common public data um in a separate table cool. so that's, yeah that's i know really gdpr helpful.
0: and all that stuff is really fun to like try to clean up tables and, and get that stuff out so <laughs>
1: yeah um, but it is something that we're, we're yeah we're, we're currently looking at different options in this space <laughs> but but right now that's that's the best best option uh,
0: more power to you that stuff's challenging so yeah uh super 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 I almost, I almost said it wrong. Supervisor 1.0. So tell me about this cloud native connection pooler. Yes. So
1: this is a connection pooler, which if if you're not familiar, is uh, a way that um, like when, when Postgres was created, the idea was that you had one server that was connected to one database and it had a solid connection um, and it sent all of your queries down that Um, that one connection solid connection to the database that was persistent and stayed connected the entire time Uh, now with this like serverless world where you have a whole bunch of small functions uh, like serverless functions spinning up for like you know sub 100 milliseconds or whatever um, it's it's a lot of overhead to establish a connection to the database and then send your query down there and then disconnect it Um, that ends up you know, slowing down your serverless functions quite a lot um, and also overloading the database because it's just not designed to have so many concurrent connections or short-lived connections. Um, and so a a connection pooler is basically like a, a piece that sits in between and it holds onto a, a collection of stable uh, direct connections to the database. And then that's what um, a serverless function will connect to and then send a query. Um, so it's a much faster way to share... Uh, a collection of uh, long lived, stable connections to the database across a whole bunch of queries coming from um, very short lived functions. Um, so uh, supervisor is our connection puller or a connection puller again, that we've built an open source connection puller that you can use for, for any Postgres instance, but it's now what we use uh, under the hood for every single Superbase project. So. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, it's built on Elixir, which is really, really good at concurrent connections and sharing uh, that that kind of uh, load across um, a whole bunch of, of uh, concurrent users or concurrent requests. Um, and so, yeah, a big part of this going 1.0 and being um, like us saying that it's stable, it was us migrating all Superbase projects from PG Bouncer, which was the connection puller that we used to use um, across to Supervisor. Um, and so, yeah, if it's able to handle the workload of the entirety of every superbase instance, I think it's ready for production. Probably, <laughs> yeah.
0: I just, and Jose Vallem from Elixir, I think he's the creator of Elixir. He has kind of a, a video out about how that works and the the connection pooler and stuff. So uh, check that out. It's it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I had another question in my mind and I just lost it. So oh uh, upgrade paths so if if someone's on an older version and since this is like all new is it is it straightforward to to do that upgrade if they're hosting themselves
1: uh as in from pg bouncer to supervisor yes i'm just gonna say yes uh okay. i haven't actually experienced it beyond uh super like um they're big migration base you can you for a while you could choose whether you wanted to connect to pg bouncer or you wanted to connect um to supervisor um and so yeah that part was really easy in terms of migrating for me because it was changing the connection string from this connection string to a different connection string um but yes check out the blog and uh and and check out the package to uh if you want to uh migrate over from pg bouncer to supervisor yourself
0: nice very cool uh the next one up is edge functions now support node and npm somebody has a pretty funny uh video cover on this one let me find it there we go no <laughs> or dino attempt. why not both that's what john says
1: <laughs> i've been getting so much flack for this uh for like not uh like not having a clear enough uh title that communicates my understanding that dino is a runtime and node is a runtime and neither of them are a language. They are a place that you're running code <laughs> and they have particular APIs that are supported. I understand this. I know right. this. It was yeah. all part of like, you know, it, it was kind of tongue in cheek, uh, the whole uh, the whole thumbnail and everything for it. But the thumbnail is me saying, why not both? And it's it's attempting to, um, there's that meme, uh, which is based on, I think an El Paso ad uh, about like tacos versus burritos. <laughs> yes, and- yes. Why not both? And then everyone (laughs) celebrates. Uh, Yeah, that that was my best attempt at at that meme. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) What a a reference too! Yeah,
1: (laughs) but the the thing that we're actually launching beyond all of that uh, is that uh, yeah, edge functions, which are um, the the kind of underlying runtime is is Dino uh, for all of the super base edge functions. um, That has uh, like. Drastically improved um, Node support and or npm support and Node compatibility, um, and so I put together a video which um, is in that blog, which you should definitely check out that shows how easy it is to migrate um, an existing Node application um, across to uh, a Superbase Edge function or a Dino Deploy function, um, because yeah, the npm packages can now be imported uh, directly in uh in in your import statement you just specify that it's coming from npm and then even node apis like process um so where you usually get your environment variables from process.env.something um process itself which is a node api is now importable within Dino. um so yeah huge huge wins for for compatibility um and in that video i show how you basically don't need to touch the entire application. You can write one file that's like a little bit of glue between uh, your import statements and the path that you want to import them from. And then basically the rest of the application is untouched, um, which is using Drizzle, uh, Express, and the PG package, all three of which um, up until this new um, node and NPM support, uh, was not possible to use within a Dino edge function so there you go magic it all (laughs) just works
0: and a lot of this is because Dino like started supporting like all of the NPM packages right that was a big push forward yeah I think they started out with high hopes and didn't realize how big the NPM ecosystem really was
1: (laughs) yeah it's just it's such a, a funny story that like Ryan Dahl going from like building node not happy with node leaves (laughs) node what am i gonna build i know i'll build a better node and i'll build it differently and then like this third phase that we're in where it's like okay we're just gonna do we're just gonna support all of node within within the new thing turns out
0: we built something pretty incredible maybe if we start building this dinosaur thing the (laughs) the node people will actually start to push a little harder and i think that's what we've seen when like we talk about bun being out there and everyone believes that bun will the bun creator spends too many hours in a chair so it's kind of going to be hard to continue to support uh dino with the like typescript side of things amazing like let's keep that rocking and then like the node.js was like no we'll just start really merging and like they've really upped their game so i yeah. think it was good to to get node to of continue along and the Dino side's doing some great
1: stuff so to, to I push. Think competitors the competitors to like node and npm have always driven things forward so much. Like yep. Yarn just like massively improved npm and like introduced like you know the, the Yarn lock file to make sure that versions were like locked into particular versions yep. and then npm started doing that. And then you could run like things <laughs> directly uh, with yarn and so then npm was like well we'll do npx so you can run that directly without installing it. I feel like yeah there's uh, people popping up with these amazing ideas are just I will say they, they need forward.
0: to do something around like the PMPM story because I can't mm. use npm anymore. PMPM <laughs> is so much faster. It's yeah. unbelievable. But <laughs> yeah that's that's for another day. uh then <laughs> the next uh, you know what no I need to pause still here because I, I forgot. When we call these edge functions, are they truly on the edge? Like what does that that mean? Like I like at the app right there calling them like that as well. And I'm like, that's not an edge function. Like they're not running on like a micro server as close as possible to you. It's just another cloud function. What is what does edge function in Superbase's world mean?
1: So in Superbase's world, they are globally distributed functions. So they use Dino deploy. Um or maybe, maybe you, hang on, let's edit this part. Sure. <laughs> Let me quickly. Uh... Ashley, how's it going? Howdy, Hi man. Ashley. Sorry, I <laughs> messed up. Uh...
0: What I are we feel talking like about? Talking about... this is always edge. challenging for me because typical edge functions have such a small JavaScript runtime involved with them that I'm like, this isn't an edge function.
1: Well, they're all, yeah, they're all Dino functions. The bit that I'm not sure is I just stated that they're um, hosted on Dino Deploy. I don't think they are anymore. I think we're hosting them within the Superbase stack.
0: Yeah, these are hard to find. Let's see. Um,
1: Do
0: you guys have like a map of this?
1: Um, no. The last one I can find is about the... uh when we made it uh like you could host your own self-hosted stuff um good question
0: might have to pull that part out <laughs> if, you, uh, if you do stumble upon it we can add it to the the, the description of just yeah that. sure Here you go. sounds good that's sort of like
1: <laughs> we we'll just pack. come to the next section where you were you were already jumping to it's yeah, a very exactly. a very clean bit to uh to cut out and i'll, I'll find out <laughs> where whole, we're because actually... uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think they will be being hosted on fly with fly's edge network wow but i'm not sure if they're, yeah, there they're doing current. a
0: lot of work for fly that's awesome
1: yeah yeah there's been been a lot of work in this uh yeah integration with them so don't want to state that it's definitely the case yet so actually cut all that out please <laughs> <laughs> and let's just move on
0: to the and next we'll one. Make sure to put notes in our GitHub <laughs> uh, issue. Yeah, so that was really cool by anyways. Uh number eight leaked password protection with Have I Been Pwned. That's that's quite a title, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh yeah, have I been Pwned is a is a site where you can go and check your like uh whether your email address has been leaked uh whether your credentials have been leaked and you can actually check like the strength of a password and see if a particular password has been (laughs) sorry (laughs) alex has distracted me by holding up by imitating my uh my thumbnails uh, (laughs) on the on the blog just kicking butt
0: man (laughs) they're crushing it (laughs) Uh,
1: but yes have i been pwned allows you to check like um what is like how how secure is this password has this has this specific password been leaked in any um in any uh what are they called data breaches or uh paste bins or anything like that um and so you can now uh we have integrated that functionality into superbase itself so when a user this is something you can toggle on in your in your superbase instance but um If you want your users to only have super strong passwords, um, you can now uh, turn on a setting that means that it will fail to create a user's account um, if they try to sign up with a particular password that has been leaked or um, is not a secure enough password. Um, So, this means that you can kind of feed that information back to your users and kind of explain to them, hey, that password is probably not something you want to keep using over and over and over again for all of these services. It has shown up on this site. You should probably go and protect yourself. And also, this is what a password manager is. And here's a discount code to 1Password if you use my affiliate link. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's put all of that in there because
0: I weekly now tell my wife, you need to use our one password account, please. And because every password is the same, I can't handle it anymore. Yeah,
1: I have this conversation probably monthly with my parents who like are pretty like password aware, but just like getting over the hump of like, you know, they still think that a A password with like four characters (laughs) modified on the end but having the same like main part of the password is secure and I just have to keep having the same argument with them so now I'm just going to ask them to sign up for my app and I'm going to toggle this on in the background and then Superbase can tell them or my app can tell them that their passwords are not secure enough and hopefully that will be enough John's John's app
0: said no (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um I I just uh, mentally I I gotta ask you this because you you're in auth world often so on one password I I'm fed up with Google Authenticator because basically I can't sort by name and I have to like manually shuffle I'm just done so I put it everything into one password Do you think it's okay to have your MFA and like your actual password all be in one system like that? <laughs> So I like I I can now click on a website. It says, "Do you want to use your passkey?" I'm like, "Yes," and it auto fills it for me. I'm like,
1: "What's the point of this passkey?" Are you asking me whether I think it's a good idea or whether I do it? Because they're two different things. Can I say both. <laughs> I'm going to say no. It's not a good idea. Do I do it for convenience' sake? Absolutely. The yeah. password manager is enough. Oh god. Uh, for all my yeah. superbase stuff. I'm glad I'm have, with
0: like... a person just like myself. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> After preaching <laughs> all my, all my work secure. stuff, we
1: have like enforced 2FA that's much more secure than that. But for any of my personal stuff, 2FA and a password manager I think is enough.
0: Perfect. Good. Great answer because it's <laughs> Alex approved. <laughs> <laughs> oh, number 9. super base branching
1: yeah so this is an a huge one this is uh like not only the feature itself but also what it unlocks this is kind of like has been um a bottleneck for a lot of cool new stuff that we want to do uh one of which we'll talk about right after this but super base branching um is a way to create a branch for your for your database so you can think of it as like git or, or github Um, well, Git, Git is more more correct, but it's like a Git for uh, a Postgres database. And so with Git, you can have many branches and they all kind of can go off in different directions. They can have a base branch that they all share and then they can have a whole bunch of different changes. Um, And so this is usually how people, uh, how teams do feature development at larger companies. You have um, a GitHub project or GitLab or something like that. Um, And then everyone is creating like feature branches to work on individual features, And then the idea being that someone can pull down that branch and test it out locally um, and have the version of the application be in exactly the same state as the version of someone else's application who's building this feature. And so now that same concept can be applied to Postgres. And so rather than just having a production version of your database, and then maybe you've got like a, a, staging version that everyone shares, you can now have a separate branch of your entire, not just your entire Postgres instance, but your entire Superbase stack. Wow! Um, you can have a separate branch for every single feature, um, every single feature branch that you're working on in GitHub. And we've, um, if you watch the video for this one, you'll see that we've done a lot of work uh, with a really tight integration with GitHub. And a really tight integration with Vercel and so there's like a whole CI pipeline um, that can automatically detect that there have been changes uh, made to uh, not just to your application to deploy a new version of your application but also changes to your Postgres instance or your Superbase stack Um, so uh, a migration needs to be created and then run against the production database when you launch your feature. Uh, so yeah, so it's a way that you can apply a similar, um, workflow, a similar like collaborative workflow, um, to your Postgres instance, rather than managing that separately to your application development.
0: That's really cool. I, th- I think the only thing I've, s- or the only database company I've seen is Zeta doing something similar to this. Um,
1: yeah, I think planet scale is, is oh another yeah, big planet. one that, that does about branching.
0: That. Yeah. Um, One question I always have when you like split out that feature, if you want data from like a data set of production data or staging data, do you just run like some sort of seed to to do that?
1: Yeah. So we recommend not, not pulling in production production
0: data. (laughs) are all those passwords that I was
1: talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just pull in my one password credentials. We'll just dump that out in plain text. Uh, Yeah. So we, oh, did I just pause?
0: You've been pausing. I'm hoping that we can fix ah. it in post. Okay.
1: Let post. me just quickly plug this in again and see oh, if Oh, you I really come paused. Back. So, Ashley, might need, might need you to. Uh, whoop! There we go. All right. Hopefully, nothing else paused. Hopefully, the audio was all.
0: John's making an expensive episode. folks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, uh, yeah. So, Sorry. yeah. Don't don't seed your production data, but outside of that, you typically run a script.
1: Yeah, that's right. So you can keep a seed script uh, alongside uh, your, like you can have a, a seed script, again, a separate seed, seed script for every uh, branch if you want. Um, but yes, you can automatically seed that data. And so that's uh, usually what we would recommend is that locally um, you have a seed file um, that seeds your local development database as you're building that feature. And then when you create a branch, um, like uh, a branch in your github project that's connected to your feature and deployed um uh that that has a separate seed file that is uh you know contains seed data for the feature that you're working on as well as everything else
0: nice that's awesome uh one last one that we have is postgres read replicas
1: Yes, so this is enabled by branching. Um, so read replicas are a way for you to globally distribute your entire Postgres database, or again, your your entire superbase stack. Um, and so uh, this is only a read version of your database, so it's a read replica. Um, so you have one primary database, which is in one like physical location, so that might be US West, for example. Uh, you can then replicate that database. Globally, so you can have it in you know seventy different locations across the whole world. Um, and anytime uh, a user needs to read data from the database, ideally your entire application is is also globally distributed. So um, you know I'm over here in Australia, which is pretty far away from the rest of the cloud world in US West or US East. Um, and so it takes a while for for data to to travel all the way over to to my location. So uh, me being able to connect to um, a database or being able to connect to a CDN node that's closest to my physical location which is probably Sydney um, and then to be able to have um, a read replica of my entire database in Sydney as well means my entire round trip for reading data is just going from Melbourne to Sydney to another server in Sydney and then back to Melbourne Um, and so that's much shorter distance traveled which is where the like biggest latency bottleneck usually is um, in applications so any rights to the database obviously it would be a nightmare to maintain you know all these different uh, edge nodes that are all all know different slightly different things and are trying to tell the other one what the single source of truth is Um, so any rights still go back to the origin database or that like primary database which is probably in us west or us east um but then Superbase also automatically handles uh rolling out those changes or propagating those changes out to all of those different read replicas. So if you change a row or you add a row to uh, the primary database, that will automatically be rolled out to all of uh, all of those different um read replicas across the world. Nice uh do you guys have a,
0: a Australian location for Superbase that you can deploy to? Sydney,
1: yeah. Sydney. So yeah. Sydney is our. So you can actually,
0: yeah. you that could be your read, write, and then we could host your reads.
1: I got yeah, you. that's the way we should do it. Yeah, you that, out, that you the
0: West, I'm like, is that is that the only spot? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just where probably the majority of, of most of the traffic of the internet is yes. uh, is going. So it's, yeah, yeah it's probably... we, we
0: hope US East one or yeah, that's the one in Virginia never goes down. Yeah. it does occasionally it's not good
1: (laughs) but yeah with those changes um it's it's rolled out very efficiently because it's just sending those changes um so it's sending what's called the write ahead log which is um just like a log of of any changes to the database um so it doesn't need to destroy the entire database and scale up a new one it can just apply those changes from the write ahead log so um yeah like there will be some amount of time of uh of of data being stale because you've created these these re-replicas across the world, um, and they don't know that something's changed. But within like you know, I don't want to say exact metrics, but let's say like you know within a couple of seconds, uh, all of the uh, the databases globally distributed should have that up to date data.
0: Nice, that's awesome. Uh, any other launch items that I'm not
1: thinking of? Uh, I mean, we already covered One that more. them so one more yeah the, the album was a huge one yeah let's 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 just keep talking about the album yeah. no my favorite i reckon other than the album uh which is not on this list this is couple's top 10 or t- top 10 plus a whole bunch of other ones uh my favorite is actually um something that launched on i think day one um which is uh a combination of um our ai assistant being embedded into Um, the RLS policy view so you're able to have like this chat GPT style um, text conversation or chat conversation with um, the AI assistant to create um, your access policies for your database so create RLS policies Um, the combination of that so not being able to not not having to write your own access policies, just saying, I want to enable read access, but only for people who have a domain that ends in superbase.com. So only people who work at Superbase. Um, being able to ask the, the AI robots to generate that for you, uh, and then combining that with user impersonation, which is another uh, feature that we rolled out, where from the, the Superbase studio, you can uh, like use the table editor and interact with the data, on behalf of a particular user. So you can impersonate a user of your application and you can test those RLS policies to say, well, this user does work for Superbase, so they should be able to insert a new row. And so you can insert a new row and see that you are able to do that and you're able to read it back, but then you can change it to impersonate someone from another company and then try and perform the same action and see that that is denied. Um, So a really great way to test rls policies but selfishly on on my say on my side an excellent way for me to like educate people about what rls policies are uh and like it's a really visual um easy to understand way to to kind of visually communicate that um so that's probably my favorite feature nice
0: i think i saw somebody doing like a like AI generated, but then they would draw like two columns and be able to put the sequel. That was wild to
1: me. Yeah. Did you see yeah, that? I, saw, I I saw the same thing. I saw the like the the embedded tweet video of doing that. I was like, that is so cool. I haven't like dug into well, probably what's going way. on there, but yeah, amazing.
0: Yeah, AI is changing everything. It's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Uh, I probably didn't prep you right, but we're going to roll into our perfect picks. So if you want to take a few minutes, I'll just, I'll roll through mine. Okay. Um, I don't do this very often, but for my picks this week, I'm actually picking some of our own stuff because I think it's, it's going to be really cool. So I actually don't have this recorded yet. We're doing this tomorrow. Um, this is with Tim Bennox. We're going to do a code with Coding Cat, all about Superbase, Algolia and Nuxt, which I don't write much Nuxt. So I, we'll see how it goes. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna build kind of a SaaS application. We're calling it "Building My Own SaaS with Superbase, Algolia, Nux. Um, it's sponsored by Algolia, so it's a first fun sponsorship of the new year, um, and. Yeah, that's my full breakdown. That's my pick. I want to remind people because uh, I've gotten feedback that they didn't realize this is a podcast still. So this does go out on Spotify as well as all of the pod catchers out there. Apple is still by far the biggest one for us. I just don't use it because I have an Android phone. So uh, I always forget to prompt that. But um, th- those are all my picks. I do have to show John, since I'm out here, John's uh, pick from last time. He may or may not remember this.
1: I do remember. (laughs) This
0: this was one of my favorite picks of all time. He picked a Dyson vacuum, which is just awesome. So just FYI, perfect picks can be anything.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if if you would let me, I would pick that vacuum cleaner again. Like, you know. (laughs) <laughs> years later that is still a fantastic vacuum cleaner absolutely would recommend uh but this time for my picks with my very limited time to to think of them and i'm just looking at what's right in front of me uh, if you are creating content uh i recommend highly recommend getting a teleprompter uh, because it has saved me so much time being able to have a script in front of the camera i do a lot of like my intros and outros like talking to the camera Yeah, and i used to just spend so long trying to get the right take based on memory like i would read it i'd read it on on the screen off to the side and then i would like try and like deliver it in one take or like just a couple of takes and it would just take so long and buying a teleprompter has just massively reduced the amount of time that i need to spend like trying to get that right because i can actually see the words in front of my face so that would be my first pick that's incredible you you use a teleprompter have you
0: i don't and i've i've talked to people like a million times what teleprompter are you using like how like what do you use it with and i'm always often they'll tell me that they use like their phone and it does the whole mirror thing and I'm like I don't want to do that like I I have my setup I have a DSLR that sits up here and I want it to like just use that and every time I go to do it I'm just too lazy to commit to it because I'm like wait now I need to write a script (laughs) and I'm I'm really bad about like just kind of doing things kind of off the cuff but I re-record just like you're talking about like over and over and over like an intro where I'm saying the same thing i would and i've scripted it and now i'm reading a google doc and i forgot and i looked down and it would save me so much time you're absolutely right do you have a a brand that you recommend
1: uh this one was just like literally the cheapest one on on amazon and it has been fantastic um
0: Perfect. Yeah. No, I love, I love the pick and there's a lot of great ones out there. Um, Amy Dutton has suggested one to me over and over and over. So I'll have to uh, kind of go out and, and take a look. My Here. second
1: one, my second pick uh, is going to be, uh, I had it for a second. Oh yeah. Uh, on, on this, on a similar vein to last time I picked a a sampler, uh, a kid's sampler, which uh, was great for, for teaching about just like, you know, how sound can be manipulated. And so me and my daughter often uh, like record a little sample on on her Casio sampler keyboard and then like play it at different pitches. That was my pick last time. This time I'm gonna pick uh, this thing called Korg Little Bits, mm. um, which is like basically a synthesizer. Obviously you can see, I, I like synthesizers, okay? Uh, it is a, a synthesizer, but all broken up into little um, separate modules That can be clicked together as magnets and so uh you have like um similar to all of these synths around me if you're watching the the video version or yeah you've you've pulled it up there so it's like um you know an oscillator so something that creates a sound and then a filter so something that like like filters down the sound and uh different ways that you can modulate the sound uh but you can click them together in different orders and so it kind of is teaching her about um you know like physics as well as like sound like different things being responsible for like uh, affecting the sound in different ways i feel like it's very similar to coding where it's kind of like logical steps that are going through like functions so each of those little module pieces is like a, a function in postgres which are now exposed via the postgres version <laughs> whatever just came out uh <laughs> but yeah it's it's kind of like teaching her about um the each thing kind of affecting the sound in different ways, and so it's this interesting logic thing that also comes out with cool sound out the other end because it's made by cog who are uh, quite a prolific um oh I've frozen again but uh, quite a prolific uh, synth manufacturer
0: if you ever uh, kind of like want to take and and jump a little past um like just sound based stuff like that. Uh, micro bits has been really cool to like show off coding to my son too so check that out like they do you do gaming controllers you do little like bots to drive around but for kids it's really sweet i think i could be wrong but i think they're somehow backed with microsoft but don't quote me on that i'm being yelled at that it's dinner time so i gotta wrap it up but thank you, John, once again, <laughs> for coming on. I really appreciate it. Super Bass is killing it with all of their releases and everything that they're putting in. And I love seeing your album, like having, see, seeing DevRel's do like that creative side, just, it blows my mind. So props to you for that.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. All right. See you next time. See ya.